0: Some of the important skills and behaviours um, to be a leader, especially within occupational therapy, is your confidence in your role as an occupational therapist and what occupational therapists can contribute to the team that you're working in.
1: I feel like I spend a lot
2: of my time saying to occupational therapists be a bit brave. We're generally quite sort of a humble, unassuming people who just get on with the job. I say to people, you know, just, just have a go. Just have a go. What's the worst that's going to happen?
1: Hi and welcome to the Royal College of Occupational Therapists podcast. I'm Clary Norman, I'm Lead professional advisor here at the Royal College.
3: And I'm Paul Cooper, also a professional advisor. So today we're talking about leadership. In fact, it feels like we're talking about leadership a lot at the moment. Why is it such a hot topic for occupational therapists right now?
1: Well, policy in health and social care reflects the need to develop leadership to drive innovation. And the move towards integration of services, a more personalised approach to care, shared decision making, all of this is reliant on a cultural shift in the mindset and practice. But this can only happen if we have people leading at every level within services. So for today's show we spoke to three occupational therapists from different areas of practice, different geographical areas and different career levels about their experiences of leadership. We wanted to hear a range of experiences but also to find out any common threads running through the stories.
3: Recognising yourself as a leader can sometimes take you by surprise. I think that moment when you first recognise yourself as a leader can be really affecting and this next clip really captures the conflicting emotions that can sometimes come with it. Uh, my name is John Tatlow, I'm the lead Occupational
0: Therapist at the Pain Management Programme in the Walton Centre in Liverpool. Okay, so when I originally started working in our team, um, they were all the same grade and. The most experienced member of the team was the identified team lead at that time. And for various reasons, that um, suddenly became me. Um, And at the time, I was quite ambivalent about that because on one hand, um, why should I be leading the team around the same grade as everyone else? And then when the opportunity came up to actually apply for a promotion, a kind of a a grade higher, um, I was still unsure at that point. I still didn't know, is this something I want to do? Is this the direction I want to go in? And it wasn't until I actually sat back and thought about what have I done Um, In this role of a team lead, because at that point it was about three or four years that I realised you've done a lot with this. You know, you've you've actually contributed a lot to the service, and it gave me the confidence to think, you know, this is for you. This is something you need to do.
1: It's interesting to hear John say that it wasn't until he sat back and reflected on the work he'd done that he fully recognised his role as a leader. Because I think it's actually a very common situation within occupational therapy. When we speak to members, it's clear that most occupational therapists feel most comfortable leading from behind, enabling others to move forward with a project or a piece of work. And, of course, that approach has many benefits. It's collegiate, empowering. But as a profession, we'd really benefit from being more confident with our presentational leadership skills. We know when working clinically with people that we have to record what we do. Otherwise, legally, it didn't happen. Likewise, we need to be telling others recording where we've led and and delivered on a piece of work. It's so important for colleagues, managers, commissioners to see what we can do, but also it makes us reflect on what we've achieved and it builds our confidence to do more.
3: Yes, I think the roles here at the Royal College uh, is about supporting members to recognise themselves as leaders and and telling people about what they do.
1: Yes, sometimes it's the frustrations about a lack of understanding of, of what occupational therapy is and can do, which can drive people to recognise and develop their leadership qualities.
4: hello, my name's Amy Jane White, principal occupational therapist from Dorset County Council. A few years ago, I attended a senior leadership meeting, and at that meeting, uh, a long-serving member of staff stated he'd never met kind of such a difficult and challenging group as the occupational therapy staff group, um, and actually didn't see the value in in what we brought to the organisation. I think. That comment for me ignited this this spark and and started me on this pathway to to not only kind of show the value but make sure it was being communicated the value of our profession and kind of promoted and understood by all um, so I wanted to to be come into a role where I was able to do that And historically, like within my organization, occupational therapists have never kind of really felt that they were valued or understood. And then three years ago we had an interim director in Dorset who formed the principal role, principal occupational therapy role, and she actually told our occupational therapy staff um, that they have the ability to change lives and improve the way services are delivered. Actually, it is my job now to continue to promote the work of our occupational therapy staff, both registered and unregistered, that promoting it across Dorset and even on a national level. So making sure their voice is heard. The benefits of our interventions are appreciated. Also, that the potential of OTs as staff groups, is understood. And actually, the OTs that I work with are such a dynamic group. They're forward-thinking. They're creative. And now I can see the change in them as a staff group that they are believed in, and they know that as well. You know, as individuals and as a professional group. And actually, I don't need to prove the value of OT. The occupational therapists I work with do that on a daily basis anyway, but it is my role as the principal lead to make sure that their value is promoted and shared and it's understood by all. Uh, how we can educate, enable, empower, have us and truly really transform the lives of the people we work with.
1: We asked Amy about the work that she and her team have been undertaking to promote the role of occupational therapy nationally.
4: Some of my staff groups have have been using the Improving Life Saving Money campaign kind of templates on how we are evidencing the value of our interventions and our approaches. Um, We have two of our APMs presenting um, at an OT conference this year on looking at developing staff and using competency frameworks around moving and handling. And I also work as an assistive technology lead within the county council, and we're constantly presenting on how we're adapting and, like I said, using adapting and flexing our toolkit to accommodate kind of new ways of working to make sure that we're keeping up with with practice. But we are being flexible uh, with our approach.
3: Amy's story is a really good example of turning a negative into a positive. I know a lot of people are inspired to lead when they see something that they feel strongly needs to change or when they see something lacking. For John, that something was an absence of networking opportunities.
0: When I think about examples of where I've made an impact as a leader, um, I think it's within the specialism that I work in, in the um, chronic pain um, service. What's come across a lot in that time that I've been doing that is that um, occupational therapists often feel that um, there aren't that many networking opportunities, and we spend a long time discussing that, but not a lot of time thinking about what do we do about that. Mm. And uh, three or four years ago, after having that discussion again, it suddenly dawned on me: well, what can we do about this? You know, we're talking about it all the time, um, but nothing's actually happening. So I, I put myself forward and said look I'll contact the Royal College and and see are there any opportunities for us to develop networking opportunities Um, and from there it it was I was able to develop a clinical forum for occupational therapists working in chronic pain Um, and straight away there was a real interest in that you know we've had a lot of people taking a real interest and wanting to be involved wanting to know more about it although it's early days I think that's going to create lots of opportunities for the future.
3: The third story of a journey into leadership that we have to share with you today is about stepping out of your comfort zone and feeling the fear but doing it anyway it's a topic that we found comes up again and again this is helen's story
2: so i'm helen lysett i am the trust lead for allied health professions at west london nhs trust i am an occupational therapist um, and i've spent all of my clinical career working in mental health but i am now um as I say, the Lead for Allied Health Professions in a large combined mental health community health provider in, in West London. I took the opportunity to um, do a secondment, um this is going back a number of years ago now so working as a project manager so doing something completely different um and I was massively out of my comfort zone obviously never having done that before and never worked having never worked in a team that was predominantly non clinical but I learned so much, I did go on a really steep learning curve, but I learned so much from it in terms of the broader picture of the NHS, sort of organisational behaviour, it was my first real exposure to sort of, you know, the, I guess the board and the trust board and that kind of level of the organisation and it was, a, it was a trust-wide project that I was working on so I got to go into a, a, a services that I would never have set foot in ordinarily and sort of if I kind of stayed in my previous management and clinical roles that I've been doing that was something I definitely would say I think changed my view of the world and and I guess gave me um skills and a confidence really that I kind of felt well if I can do this I can do anything and it can and it definitely sort of helped I think shape my my future career in terms of being a bit brave
3: Helen has some really useful advice for anyone who's thinking that they would like to develop the leadership skills and want some practical tips for how they can begin to do this, even at an early stage of their career.
2: And the other thing I would I would say I think that I think was pivotal was um, applying to be um, on one of the boards at RCOT. So I, a number of years ago, applied to be a member of what was then the new professional practice board it's since been changed and it's now the english board But i saw this opportunity advertised in ot news i thought well, that looks interesting i put myself forward and was appointed onto the professional practice board and again it was one of those really sort of, I, I think kind of career changing moments for me and that it gave me exposure to things i just would never have got in the day job that and um, that again that kind of i guess the strategic thinking you know being awareness of the national picture it just helped I think shape my my view of the world in in, in a different way and subsequent to that I then actually went on to chair that board and went, and, and had feet the on council that went with it and um, which sort of I guess, kind of projected me then into a, a different world world again. But I often say to people, of all the things I've done in my career, I honestly believe, that had I not done that, I don't think I would be where I am now. Because what it gave me was because it gave me that exposure to different experiences and things that you just don't get in the day job as an occupational therapist, generally particularly, you know, at still relatively junior level as I was then, Um it, it gave me so much to work with in terms of, in, you know, when I was applying for the jobs and then going for interviews at more senior roles.
3: I asked Helen what she would say to early career occupational therapists who are interested in that type of opportunity, but perhaps feel intimidated or underqualified.
2: To be honest, I just would say, have a go. You probably do know more than you think you do. I feel like I spend a lot of my time saying to occupational therapists, be a bit brave. I think we're we're generally quite sort of a humble, uh, unassuming people who just who just kind of get on get on with the job. And I say to people, you know, just, just have a go. Just have a go. What's the worst that's going to happen? You know, the, um, and I always find the people at RCOT, um, you know, very welcoming and supportive. You know, they always really you know, valued my contributions. I think, yeah, my advice would just give it a go. What have you what have you got to lose? And I think it was quite life changing for me.
1: So we were interested to find out what skills and behaviours people consciously adopt as leaders.
0: Um. I think some of the important skills and behaviours to be a leader, especially within occupational therapy, is your confidence in your role as an occupational therapist and what occupational therapists can contribute to the team you're working in. I think it's really important to be very clear on that so that you can confidently take your team forward um, as a leader and also communicate that to other members of the team who maybe aren't sure as what your role is as an occupational therapist. I think another important aspect is knowing the bigger picture, is knowing what's going on. Um, you know, with policies, government policies, um, and how that um, contributes to your service and the direction that you're going in.
1: Amy echoed that need for confidence in the value of the profession and clear,
4: targeted communication proving that value. As a leader, I think listening and communication skills are essential. I'm the connect between the OT staff group and the senior management team, and I need to be able to communicate the challenges to both of those groups. So to make sure that we're all heading in the same direction, mm-hmm. knowing who you're talking to and adapting your communication style to suit your audience. So whilst I go into kind of meetings with certain leaders with um, inspiring case studies of how we've changed people's lives, I may go into another meeting with data um, and, and potential cost savings, um, just to make sure you know how other people tick. Um, knowing your audience. Um, But I believe in my profession and I believe in the staff group that I lead, and I'm confident Well, actually I know that we can transform service delivery and can play a key role in improving lives, especially as budgets get tighter and tighter. Um, We will adapt if services need to and hopefully I'll be there promoting occupational therapy the whole way along the way. It's
3: great to hear that RCOT's recent campaigns are playing their part in helping Amy feel empowered to lead. Helen had another interesting point to add to this conversation about mistakes.
2: I always have, and I am the kind of person naturally that will will just give things a go. I'm not, I suppose, one of the things I see in me that I, I don't see in other people is I am less bothered about making a mistake. That's not to say that I would do something reckless. Like I say, you know, it's calculated risks. Um, but I believe that when things don't go to plan, it's a learning opportunity. Um you know as long as nothing catastrophic is happening all things can be salvaged um and you and you and, and the flip but the flip flip of that is that you have to be big enough to say put your hands up and admit when this isn't this isn't working it's not going to plan let's stop think what needs to change you know or equally you know the crikey you know something's gone wrong and you know this is this has really gone wrong and it's you know the wheels have come off and we, we just need to stop what we're doing and try and and go in a different direction. Uh, so is, so uh, yeah, I think just my innate kind of uh, personality is someone who's willing to take a bit of risk. But I say the flip is that is it you you do have to be big enough to say when things aren't working, you can't be. I think genuine leadership it comes from when you are able to do that. I think if you're the kind of person where you think I'm just gonna I'm just gonna plow forward with my you know with my view of the world and keep going on regardless of what happens and regardless of what other people are saying around me then that's not that's not real leadership that's just a dictatorship um but if you can try and measure that with you know hearing what people are saying if things don't feel right or in get you know trying to engage people in whatever change it is you're trying to make so they genuinely feel they're part of it and have ownership then that that's leadership to me
3: Thank you to our interviewees, John Tetlow, Amy, Jane White and Helen Lycett for taking part in today's show and sharing their leadership journeys with us today. I know we've really enjoyed hearing them and I hope you have too. If you want to get in touch about today's episode or if you have any ideas for future episodes, we're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can comment on our podcast using the hashtag RCOTPodcast. So to end this episode, Corin, what advice do you have for occupational therapists at any career level who want to develop their skills in this area?
1: Well, the college has a range of resources and opportunities for members to develop their leadership skills and experience, the career development framework is a leadership pillar and defines leadership skills and mindset at every stage of the occupational therapy career. So members can take a look at this, identify what level they're currently at and the next level to aim for to get some ideas on how to develop their skills. The Occupational Therapy Improving life saving Money campaign allows people to share their service innovations. So visit the ILSM webpages under Promoting Occupational Therapy on our website. And we also have opportunities to get involved in leadership roles at the college. Again, go to our website, look under Practice Resources, Leadership and Management. Let's give the final word today to Helen.
2: I think, I mean, one thing I always say to people, and it's something I've kind of really try to hammer home since i've to, to people since i've been in this job especially in that sort of trust wide leadership role um is that you know you are all leaders you know you can be you can be a leader at any level and it's something i've really i really want to try and instill in people as seeing themselves as leaders because lots and lots of people don't and we know know this people don't see themselves as leaders and and people do fall into a trap of thinking well I'm not in a management position so therefore I'm not a leader and I'm really working hard to try and dispel that myth and giving and and trying to give people opportunities um, and exposure to things again that they wouldn't ordinarily get as part of their day jobs to try and open people's eyes to um, sort of what what leadership is, and that, that it's not necessarily about being called called a manager. Um, so yeah, I think for me that is definitely one of the, one of the major differences that you can be a, you can be a leader no matter who you are.